Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hello Mentor. Uh, today's episode was actually recorded via Zoom uh, because of the movement control order in Malaysia. Um, so the sound quality might change a little bit from the usual uh, episode, but the conversations are nevertheless still just as interesting. Today we have uh, Ayman Azlan with us. Uh, Ayman uh, is an all-rounded optimist and a youth mentor. Uh, in 2011, uh, during his second year at the University of Toronto, uh, he made a video uh, from his one-bedroom apartment and little did he know that that video would have been an opening for him to create like a passionate career, right? So he discovered his ability uh, to speak, uh, his understanding of psychology, and, and he uses a lot of his online exp- uh, presence to inspire the youth. Uh, and with that, let's uh, start the conversation. Hello. Hi, Amin. Hello, Derek. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, thanks for, you know, joining us here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I've definitely heard and seen a lot about you and how passionate you are, like helping other people. Um, Thank you. So I just want to kind of jump straight to it because obviously, you know, we did a lot of research about your background, you know, before okay. we, you know, we have this interview. So uh, from what I know, you actually studied um, biology and psychology in university, right? So, um, I mean, what was your dream back then? Uh, well, way back then, uh, I didn't know for sure. But the only thing that I knew back then was that I, I really like science. Um, you can call me a science geek lah, if you want to. It's okay. Uh, I really like science back in the day. Even now, I like science. But I didn't know which which part of science specifically that I like and want to venture into. So what I did was uh, just go into science, see how it goes. So like test the water. So I still follow that interest, that line. And then I decided, okay, how about I try food technology? food tech. So I decided to take biotechnology at first with the direction of of wanting to be a food researcher. Then I did that, went to university, finished my first year and decided that something was off, something was not right. Um, It is science, I still like it, but it's not something that I feel like I want to do for the rest of my life. So I decided to, okay, keep on looking, keep on looking, look around what's, what's there in science. And then in the summer of my first year of university in Canada, uh, I decided to take psychology as like, you know, just an exploration, elective, you could say. Mm, mm. And then everything else just falls into place, basically. Uh, the first day of the first class of Psychology 101, um, everything seems to click. As they say, the chemistry was there. Um, it feels like this is what I want to do. It feels like this is what I was searching for. It sounds cliche, but it, it is true. It is true for me at least. And after that, I decided to change my major from biotechnology to psychology. But then I still put the biology there because I was under the JPA scholarship. So I don't want to go too far off biotechnology route. So I still put the biotechnology there. So that's how it became biology and psychology. Wow. And then after, <laughs> and then after that, after that, yeah, I, I, I do this for a living, yeah. Right. And so, but what you really enjoyed was the psychology. 
like the, the technically yeah biology is okay um, i'm not like uh, totally not into biology but at the same time i'm totally not into it as well so it's a it's a love hate relationship with me and biology uh, but mm. i still appreciate the science i still appreciate the knowledge uh, but yeah to be to be fair and to be honest psychology is where it's at for me and and what's what's more interesting for me is that both of these subjects are around the i suppose the subject of people right? Both biology and psychology is about people. So I suppose that means that because you actually covered both before, you have like a broad understanding of, I, I imagine, like what the study of like people and behaviors are. Uh, yeah, are yeah. Like. Interesting you say that. Not a lot of people see that, you know, Derek. You're probably like one of the few ones who see the connection <laughs> between biology and psychology. Even like people in university themselves, they don't, they don't realize, oh, is there a relationship, biology, psychology? But yeah, you're mm. right. It's people. That's the connection. Right, right. because even in, um, so I don't study it formally, but obviously I do pay attention to a lot of like material when they talk about psychology and all that. And, 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 and from what I understand, even like personality, sometimes, you know, there's a strong relation to biology, uh, you know, biology. Right, someone's personality. So, so there's like this, that is you know, interconnectedness about these two subjects. Um, and and it did, and so it sounds like you know, uh, obviously, when when you pick, you originally picked like science and biology, right? Like that you you originally picked it because you had some initial interest in it, but it did take you some time to find out what you really enjoy, you know, and and. What, what advice would you give to someone? And this is very common, you know, when people go into university right now, um, like what do they want to study? And I find, I find it very difficult to give this kind of advice also, largely because I think for the most part, right, it's like you're not, you're not really sure sometimes until you try it. It's the same like work, you know, like for, for someone to say that, oh, I'm so passionate about being, say, I don't know, um, uh, being in marketing as an example, but they've never done marketing before. And it's so hard to tell them, how do you know, right? Until you actually know what you do on a day-to-day basis. But coming back to degrees, right? So if I haven't really studied something before, how do I know what I should pick? Well, I guess the first two things that I will say to like a student, let's say, who is having this dilemma of what to study, what to pursue, the first thing I would say is that education is not a race. Um, a lot of students, they get stuck with this idea that I have to finish my degree at a certain age. I have to graduate at this time. I have to have a job at this time. I have to, I have to, I have to. So they are in this kind of a race to get to somewhere that they don't even know where that is, mm. right? And that's a very tiring way to live. So if let's say you're totally clueless you don't know what to do and you don't know what to what to what to invest your money time and energy into because a degree is a quite an an expensive investment then take some time to try things out for free right Uh, go to the library read some books or not library like google yeah google read some books um talk to some people try a few things, you know, do part-time jobs or do jobs for free just to try things out. Because if you're clueless, then the best way to do things is to just try things out and see how it goes. So that's, that's where I will start with like tackling this issue by just, by just calming people down, chill, saying that it's not a race. 
Yeah. The second part I would say to a student who who is having this dilemma is that I mean the first part is that life your education is not a race. That's the first part. Mm. The second part that I would like to say is that there is no rule that say that you have to figure everything out. That's another thing that that students get stuck. They think that they have to figure things out by a certain age. Again, having this arbitrary deadline in their head it's not good if it means that they're they're going to push themselves to a point of overly stressing themselves out themselves out and burning out and thinking that they're a failure so those two points are what i would uh, introduce them first just to calm themselves down and then i will go to a much more uh, practical steps lah the first thing i would say is that try to think of a subject or a field that you believe interests you in some way that uh, feeds your curiosity that you feel curious about you want to know more you want to learn more right mm. and i would suggest them to start there and explore and just like you said it's not you can't say you have passion if you haven't done the thing because passion is in the doing you do it mm. and you feel it If you say that I have passion for marketing but you haven't done marketing you're not passionate about marketing you're just infatuated with marketing it's like it's like you're a fan of marketing but you don't mm. know what marketing is mm-hmm. so try it first try a few marketing uh, techniques try a few marketing practices and see how it feels does it feel mm. good do you feel like you want to do it more do you feel like you're not going to get bored doing it over and over and over again because a job is something that It's kind of a, a, like a repetitive thing in a way. Mm. And if you don't enjoy doing something repetitive over and over again, then it's going to be a problem for you in the long run, right? In the long mm. run. So I generally would use those three points um, to tackle this issue. And basically, I would leave it up to them to explore. I really like it to just leave the decision of what to do with their life on their hands because i've i've i have this friend she works in education and you know she gets questions from students right mm. and i asked her what 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 is one of the like most common questions that she get asked and to my surprise one of the most common questions she get asked is tell me what to do with my life what what should i do with my life what should i study in university that's a huge power that you just give to somebody right yeah you yeah. should be able to be confident enough to make that decision on your own sure it's scary it's super scary right but it's your decision to make so own it mm. that's what mm. i would say mm. Mm. i love that i love like um uh, uh how you talked about it being an infatuation rather than a passion, right? Like, like people have this, um, how should I say? Uh, sometimes uh, when you look at something from the surface, you know, it looks very interesting. Um, you see the end result, but you don't necessarily see the work that goes behind the scenes, right? And also that you use the word routine because a lot of jobs are actually routine, even though like the end result might look, you know, really good, like you want to be a part of that, but the day-to-day is quite routine. And whether and whether you actually like doing that that part of the the job, uh, and yeah, so so that's that's interesting. And also, it's funny how you say that. Some people would ask the question, you know, what should I do in my life? 
that's a huge question. <laughs> it is. It is, it's and I'm quite surprised. Question. Yeah. And I think one of the reason why uh, some students—I mean, I wouldn't—I wouldn't say all students. I don't like to generalize, but some students they do that. I think it's because they're not used to making their own decision. I mean, to be fair, they're not used mm. to it, right? They're not mm. educated to make their own decisions. They're not inspired to make their own decisions. They're afraid of making mistakes. So I get it. I understand. But at the same time, you have to understand this is your life, right? So, so you are responsible for your own life. You are accountable mm. for your own life. Therefore, you should be able to make your own choices in your mm. life. So mm. that, that's basically the point that I, would, that I really like to highlight for young people, especially students. Mm. And also to kind of calm down and like take your time to think this through properly, right? Don't rush into things. Yeah, right? yeah, that's Cause, true. Because of like that's pressures true. from society. I mean, me personally, I think probably it took me until my late 20s to say that I kind of started to have some clarity about the direction that I'm going. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I graduated and I, well, you know, things are going great. You know, it took a long time. Right. Yeah. And, right. And then I think, I think, um, and it took a long time because I had to start working and finding out what work life was about, you know, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, uh, so yeah, so definitely I, I like that. And also I like what, what you really, you used to work curiosity. I think that's a very good word, right. Rather than thinking about what I'm passionate about, think about what you're curious about. Uh, yeah. because the, the curiosity sparks that, that initial drive for you to go and, want to learn something right and do it exactly exactly if if you have questions about something it means that you're curious but if you don't have any question about a thing it means that you're not curious about it you don't want to learn more or find out further about it so yeah curiosity that's the key mm, mm. And, and what do you learn from your formal education that uh, you know you find useful now what are the things that you learn from biology ah. and psychology well, it's, it's quite a lot. Um, I'll divide into two. Lah, what I learn mm. about like the subject and what I learn about life in general. Mm. What I learn about the subject, there's a lot of, um, like, like you beautifully put it, there's a connection between biology and psychology and that is people. So what I learn from the subject matter is that all these, these subjects that we take in university, they're actually related somehow. It's just that it's a matter of whether you see it or not. They're like dots, you know, like you play uh, the game before, like connect the dots, right? Mm, mm, so mm. all these fields of knowledge, all these branches of knowledge, they are dots on a piece of paper. So you have to like connect the dots somehow to see the bigger picture. And that those dots can be connected. It's just a matter of can you do it or not? Are you able to see past the subject line and, and, and learn more about how they are connected? So like biology, for example, that like you say, you know, our, our bodily systems, like the hormones and the, and, the, and the neurons and all the things in the body, it does affect your psychology. It affects your behavior, the way you think. It affects um, your mood and so on. So there is a lot of, there are a lot of connections there. So that's why I learned from the subject matter. The, the second part that I learned from my university degree is the life lesson. So basically like the value of the university degree itself in life. Because for the longest of time, I thought that my worth is defined by my degree, right? And it's defined by my grades, my CGPA. Um, so 
I learn from my experience, practically speaking, your worth is actually defined by your values, your principles, right? And your skills, uh, the way you treat people and the way you solve people's problems. That's how your value is defined, not by a piece of paper, um, just uh, some numbers and figures here and there. Not to say that there is no value at all to university degree. That's not my point. The point is that you have to put everything in its proper place. Otherwise, if things are not in their proper place, you're going to have a skewed version of reality in your mind. You may be thinking that, oh, I'm not graduating with the highest level of degree. Therefore, I'm not that worth it in society. So you see how things can go very, very south, very go very far south, very quickly when you don't put things in its proper perspective. So that's what I learned in general about the subject matter and also about life. Um, so all in all, even though um, university was a roller coaster ride for me, all in all, it was totally worth it. I learned a lot. Um, and those two things are among the, th- the big things I learned in university. Mm. And also like, um, you know, I, I agree with you in, in the sense where I think obviously, you know, if you're in university, you should take it seriously. But whatever comes out of it, like it doesn't quite define you. Uh, if it's not the expectation that you wanted. Like, you know, for example, my my SPM wasn't that great, me personally. And then my university wasn't like, it was definitely not a, like a super top university, you know, when I graduated. But mm. if I if I let that tell myself, oh, that means I'm not a smart person, I'm not capable enough, then I wouldn't be able to start a technology company today. You know, so when I start a technology company, obviously I have to have the, enough self-belief that I can actually run a technology company, right? So, so it's quite important for people to understand that, you know, yeah, don't let it define you, you know, um, I mean, learn what you can. It, it is, uh, I suppose if you are graduating, you know, if you have a, a de- decent grades, it might help you land uh, some interviews, maybe more interviews than you, uh, other people might have. But that's, but beyond that, that's about it, right? So, so yeah. you know, in the end, it's still about how good you are at your job, you know, I quite how you agree. solve people's problems. Exactly. Um, because your grades are what your would-be employers see on your resume on that piece of paper. And yeah, they might think, oh, this person, this person has such and such CGPA and they want to like land you an interview. Mm. But then once you get in the interview, all your grades are out, out the window already. They're not looking right. at the grades anymore. They're now looking at you. Mm. And if you can't, if you can't, prove that you're actually you're actually represent the grades on the piece of paper then it's it's not going to work well for you and also this idea that that um you know let's say i don't have a good grade in my spm or in my degree therefore the job prospect is is quite quite limited for me in a way there's truth in it but in 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 another way it's quite misleading because learning learning doesn't stop once you graduate right? You can Mm. still learn new things. You can still Mm. upgrade your knowledge. You can still, in a way, fix those grades without without having a grade, right? Let's say that you found out, okay, after university, I found out I'm not good at math. It doesn't mean that you can't improve in math. You can. You can still do that. There's a lot Mm. of, uh, especially today, there's a lot of avenues and resources where you can learn, learn, um, subjects um, from A to Z about 
so many different things outside of university. So like, for example, my line of work, um, I know I have a degree in psychology, but I also do a lot of other things. I do business, I make videos, multimedia, social media, I learn about e-learning. So all those things are not taught in my university when I was, when I was uh, sitting for that degree. Mm. I have to learn that. Mm. And it's something that people need to understand. Learning is a lifelong journey. You don't mm. stop once you graduate. That's mm. just an arbitrary endpoint. But the actual education and the actual learning is lifelong until the day you die. So once people get that into their heads, they realize that the journey is still ongoing. It's not, mm. it's not like the end of the road per se once they graduate with a bad, with a bad mark or, or a bad grade. So mm. I just want people to have that sense of hope <laughs> mm. and not feel that how oh, my life is over just because mm. of SPM or just because of degree. So yeah. Just want people. Yeah, to yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, like it, um, it can land. It can land you some interviews, but at the end of the day, whether you land the job, uh, as you said, whether the interviewer can see that you represent whatever grades you actually have, and and when you get hired, I think how you do in your job is a much more important factor for your yeah. success rather than your grades, right? Because that determines. I mean, when you're in the door already. The, the employer is not constantly thinking, oh, you were this great, right? They're just going to see your work, how you, how you treat other people, how you carry yourself. You, if you're good at your job, you get promoted and automatically, mm-hmm. you know, that builds on your career. And the, um, yeah, and, and you made a good point about like how, you know, there's a lot of places to learn now. In, in fact, right, when I was in university, uh, I didn't enjoy university as much because most of the time I was made to learn subjects that, I, I don't, can't relate to, like, I'm not sure how my, how exactly am I using this? So, you know, so, so a lot of it, was, it felt like forced learning and, and, and learning that I, I didn't know how I could use. But when I, when I'm actually working right now, you know, I'm constantly learning every day. Like I look at the problem. I don't know how to solve it. Like what did I Google it? I go online, there are a lot of resources and I, I figure out, I, I learn how to solve problems in my immediate life. You know, mm. so I could see the value and the effect straight away. And I think, I think more people should definitely have that kind of mindset. Because sometimes when I, when I meet, um, uh, you know, even when I, when I, you know, if I hire someone or I see someone's working, a, a very common thing I hear sometimes is, oh, I'm not growing because uh, our company doesn't provide enough training. <laughs> or, you know, the company doesn't train me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, well, companies should train their staff, but but you don't have to wait for your company, right? To train you, that you can train yourself. It's always two-way relationship. It's top, bottom, and bottom up, right? You can't just all the time always rely on the top management to give you everything. Sometimes you, on the bottom, you have to do, do the work, right? And mm. plus, it's, it's, it's you. You have to invest on you. Regardless of what your employer does, you have to invest on you. Let's say that your company doesn't provide training. I mean, I mean that's unfortunate. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't happen. But that alone shouldn't stop you from actually learning. I mean, you can buy a book, right? Mm. You can you can sign up for online courses. You can sign up for training yourself. Mm. And yeah, it's gonna cost money. But again, it's an investment. What do you expect? It's an investment, right? Think of your ROI. Your ROI positive in the future. And if you can if you can buy things that may or may not provide you value in the future, then certainly you can invest in yourself something that would most probably 
provide value in the future for you. So it's it's really not a it's it's really not a no brainer for me when it comes to investing in yourself. I mean, to to the extent that you're able to, of course. But it's a no brainer. Like investing in yourself, like read a book, um, go for online courses. It's it's something that that um, I really want people to understand. What was it like for you after you graduated? Like, what was your first full-time job like? And how, how do you, I'm very curious how eventually you transitioned to what you're doing now. After degree, after graduating, always like, you asked for, for my first full-time job. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, my first job is my job now. Oh. <laughs> so, so, nice. um, how do I explain it? So, I mean, it, it obviously evolves with time, but I, I basically do the same thing then than I do now, only, only in, a, in a different form, you could say. So, mm. when I graduated, what I did a lot at the time was I do freelancing a lot. I freelance as a public speaker. So, universities would invite me, schools would invite, would invite me. I still do that now, but to a much, much lesser extent. Right now, I do more of, a, of my own thing. So I do online courses, I do webinars, I, do, um, I have a membership platform where I help people one-to-one in a small community. So I do those things. Other than, you know, doing like hosting here and there and doing uh, some form of like media work. So that's basically my first and only job, you could say. Uh, being this being this media person online and offline, being a public speaker, a motivator. So that's what I did at first and that's what I do right now. Mm. So I've, I've never experienced what it's like to have an eight to five job. And I say that with a bittersweet uh, taste because in a way I would like to experience it to understand what people are going through, mm. right? But at the same time, I'm kind of glad that I'm, I'm not, I don't experience it because I can witness like my wife having an eight to five job, my, my parents, my siblings, and I, I see how they do. If they love their work, it's fine. But sometimes they, they complain about, you know, um, when, when does the weekend is going to come? When's the mm-hmm. holiday going to come? So, so they wait for, for those non-work days. And I'm like mm-hmm. wondering, do you, you don't enjoy your work? Sometimes they enjoy the work, but they don't enjoy the politics of work. Mm. They don't enjoy the environment of work. It has many factors to it. But my decision to do this work is something that um, I was scared to take in the beginning because none of my family member has ever done this before, by the way. So it mm. took my parents uh, as, as a surprise, but I managed to you know, slowly over a year or two convince them that this is an actual job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they came to terms with it. Yeah, and also, and so does my my in laws. So yeah, um, it's a bittersweet memory. Uh, 2013, I graduated. Um, people are asking what you're gonna do. What you're gonna do? I, I say I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna you know become a speaker, talk here and there. And a lot of my family members think that that's like a side gig. They don't, they, right. they, they don't realize that I'm actually doing it like for real. <laughs> so right, right. <laughs> that, that took some time to, to convince them and show them that this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do to support myself, to support my family. And uh, mm. over, I mean, it's been nine years now. And yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Um, but what that's, inspired that's how, you? That's though? how it evolved. Yeah, sorry? 
what what inspired you though? What made you go like, ah, this is what I'm going to go to because obviously it's not um uh the reason why uh, like a lot of your family that wasn't sure if it was like a real career is because it's a not not a common thing that people say I want to do. So what kind of inspired you to do this? Because it's such an uncommon thing to do, right? To say yeah. I want to be like a public speaker. Well, um, you know, if you ask me right now, it makes sense looking back, right? I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It makes mm-hmm. sense looking back. It doesn't make sense at the time. It just it just feels right. If you ask me, it just feels right. But looking back, I realized that I it, ever since primary school, I was the talkative type. I like to talk. I like to speak. I'm like very very uh, extroverted about that. So. I just I just know that I'm that type of person. Uh, I can speak well, I can speak easily, and I can speak for ages, so basically. So that's my skill. That's my skill. I, I didn't I didn't think that it would get me anywhere, to be honest, but I just saw an opportunity at that time. So at that time, just to give you a rough picture, I was doing YouTube videos and I already got a few invitations from universities to give talks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I got paid, but not that much. But then I, I, I see an opportunity and an avenue for me to earn a decent living by doing this, this thing that I'm good at and this thing that I enjoy doing. So the inspiration came from, you know, just, just you know, p- putting all the pieces together and see the puzzle coming together perfectly, quite nicely, right? And, and the courage to go for it, it just it just came from the fact that um, I don't want to complain about my job. I, I I've seen that a lot, and enough is enough. I I've hear I hear that a lot from my family, from my friends, or from people in general complaining about their job. I don't want to be that. I don't. I don't want to. And I don't. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. To be honest, I want people to enjoy their job, right? So that kind of give me the push, even though it's difficult, even though it's uncertain. Like, like I said, nobody's my fa- nobody in my family has ever done this before, right? So it's a totally new territory for me and my family. So I have to pave the way, basically, for everybody to see that this is a possible path, right? So you have to figure things out as you go along. It's scary, but it's exciting at the same time, right? Because you're curious and you always learn new things along the way. So the inspiration came from that, from the situation itself, from seeing everything falls into place and from I mean, from the idea of, of okay, if I decided to, to, you know, because my parents in the beginning, they always like give me suggestions of jobs to apply for. Like, why don't you go for this interview or this interview or this? Because, because I understand them. They are from the mindset that you need a quote-unquote proper job, eight to five, and at the end of the month, you get a paycheck, and at the end of your career, you get your pension, right? That's the idea of what a job is. I get it. I get it. I understand that. But now here I am like totally going off the rails and off their mold and their expectation. Obviously they're scared. Mm. Obviously they're scared. So it's my duty to show them as a son to show them that, that there's nothing to, to worry about. Uh, I'm not playing around. I'm serious about this and I can see a future in this and mm. it's on me to show it to them. 
So that's 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 the inspiration basically. That's the inspiration. Mm. I mean the mm. need to to show that this is real. Mm. This is not like uh, uh like my mind we say, right? This is not my mind. This is real. Mm. Um and yeah, yeah. Nine years in, people saw it. It's real. Mm. And and you and you you started um as you said like you created a lot of videos on YouTube. I think um you know some of these videos went viral. This was in like some. 2011. <laughs> some. <laughs> but 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 you know but I think that's incredible foresight you know uh, and and like I remember 2011. I mean YouTube obviously was there, but not everyone actually watches YouTube on a daily basis. You know people yeah. still go on TV. You know and. And um, I mean, yeah, I was watching YouTube also, but not like today. Like, like today, almost every day, I'm like watching something on YouTube. But it wasn't that kind of behavior in 2011. Yes. And and what what made you kind of you know, what what inspired you to go and do this video? Uh, I mean, could you tell us more about it and like how how did it kind of help kickstart your career? Well, it's interesting that you say that in 2011, not a lot of people watch YouTube. I was among the few that did. I started watching YouTube videos back when, like, 2008, something like that. I started mm. watching YouTube videos. Uh, I started getting interested in in people who created their own content, like from their bedroom, from their house, like using using very minimal equipments, using whatever that they have. They don't have large productions, but they man. Some of them even managed to produce very high quality videos with minimal resources, right? So I'm just interested in these people, but. I didn't have the insight to actually do it myself. I was just a consumer. I'm just consuming, consuming, consuming for enjoyment, for entertainment, right? But then in 2011, I saw a video by you know Mat Luffy, mm, like yes. a, a fellow a fellow yes. Malaysian vlogger, and also Anwar Hadi, another yes. another fellow Malaysian vlogger. I I they they posted the videos first. And I saw their videos by accident. So people share videos, right? They share on my Facebook timeline. I, I watched uh, one or two of their videos and I started to get inspired because it's a different feeling when you see, well, quote unquote foreigners making videos. Mm. And then now you see locals making videos. It's a different mm. feeling. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's a stronger feeling when when you see them similar to you, that they're mm. Malay guys, same age, um, and and from around the same the same hometown, um, like all three of us are like from northern northern region of, of peninsula. So that gave me like the push, I I would say, to actually mm. try it for myself. Like it's like mm. good peer pressure. Try new things, try new challenges. And I said to my friends, you know, um, I want to try this YouTube thing. Seems cool, seems okay, without any idea where it would go, like zero, just want to try new things, right? Mm. Uh, but I was scared. I was like, I chickened out basically, I was scared. But I'm glad that I told my friends because they gave me the extra push because they keep saying, hey, Aiman, where's the video? Huh? Where's the video? Yeah. Huh? You say you want to make a video, right? <laughs> huh? So, so that, that gave me the extra push. Oh, I'm going I'm to show them. I'm going to show them. So, so I did. I, I told them because we share the same like one bedroom apartment. I mean, students, right? 
we share yeah. the same one bedroom apartment. So I say to my 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 housemates, "Hey, I'm gonna make a video now." Um, so I lock myself in the only bedroom that we have, <laughs> and just 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 sit there and just awkwardly making that first video. So you can still watch my first video uh, uploaded fourth uh, of March two thousand eleven. So that video was created out of this, you know, push to actually prove to myself primarily that I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And the first video was about, it's quite meta if you think about it. The first video was about how difficult it was to make that first video. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> wow. That's all That's all what it's about because I have wow. no idea. I, I have no experience, zero. I have no idea what to talk about, what topic is okay, not okay. So I just decided... Why don't I just be honest, right? Just, just this is my problem right now. I don't know um, what videos to make, and it's so difficult to make this one video. Just talk about that, mm. right? You know, some mm. people say if you have writer's block, write about writer's block. Mm. <laughs> so mm. that's it's the same idea. It's the same idea. So from mm. there, I posted. Uh, there, there were there weren't any like Instagram page or Facebook page at the time. It was only my my personal Facebook page where I have friends and family. I just posted there, and they started sharing it sure, everywhere. Right. Wow! At first, at first, it's only like friends and relatives who like say, "Oh, I watch your video. I watch your video." And then one day, strangers started messaging like, "Hey, I saw your video from this mm. country." Like, mm. so it started to become this thing that started to be spread around quite organically. And I saw that there could be a potential here mm. and just continue, right? You have an opportunity, you take it, continue. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting, right? Like you you, you, you kind of did it reluctantly. You weren't sure you wanted to do it and it turned <laughs> out well and you just kept going, right? Like there is a bit of, um, uh, how do I say? I don't think luck is the, un- is the word I'm looking for, but there's something like, and destiny is a very big word, like, obviously. But I'm not sure if you know I'm going. You know, it's like you, like you don't know until you try. And then when you try, it just clicks, right? This is it. Or I didn't know that I could do this. Yeah, it, in, in many things in my life, that's how it works. You, you don't know until you try it. But then um, I understand a lot of people are afraid of the unknown. The not mm. knowing part scares them. Mm. So that's, that, that's why they end up just not trying and just play safe with the things that they know, even though they hate it. Mm. But that's the thing that they know, right? Mm. So my argument is which one is better to do the things that you know you hate, even though it's familiar, mm. or to do the things that there's a possibility you may like, but it's unfamiliar. Mm. It's, it's, it's a question of which risk you would like to live with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you want to do something you hate but it's familiar, right? And a lot of people are in that situation, right? I know, it's, I get it, I understand, it's scary, it is. Mm-hmm. And what, what's, your, um, what's your typical day like, Ayman, right now? Like, you know, are you, are you like a morning uh, person, a night person? You know, do you have any specific routines? Uh, I'm, an, I'm an all day person. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've experienced with like burning the midnight oil. I've experienced with like waking up early in the morning. It just depends on the necessity. Um, I'm quite flexible in that sense. Plus when you have two, two little kids, um, you kind of have to adapt to the situation, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't allow you to have like a very nice, neat schedule. They mm-hmm. just don't allow for that. 
So my typical day, uh, if I can, if I can distill the chaos into a typical day, would be you know wake up and uh, I mean right now during MCO I wake up and I do work, right? Uh, well, right now we have Ramadan, so I wake up early with my wife to eat before the before the sunrise and we pray together and then I do my work. Um, the children are still sleeping. That's the best time to do work and then the. My firstborn usually wakes up around eight, nine, and I have to tend, tend to him now. And usually um, in the morning, he, he does his own thing, and then I can still do some work on the side. But then once the day starts, it's, it's, it's like basically you have to balance between your schedule and your family's demands. Mm. Because right now, because of MCO, we work from home. Because mm. before, I, I send my son to to my own like kindergarten, kindergarten, mm. right? So I send mm. my son there. I can do work from home uh, while taking care of, of my baby son. Uh, mm. That's neat. But now you have to adapt. You have to adapt. Mm. So it's, mm. a, it's a juggle between like uh, doing the work and also tending to family matters, doing the work and then tending to family matters. So mm. my schedule now um, is I, uh, I purposefully allow for for allow room for chaos because you have to you can't be too mm. rigid right now right mm. i purposefully mm. allow room for chaos so mm. when unexpected things happen i'm not going to be too bothered by it so i can just mm. adjust and adjust and adjust right mm. but typically i do have a schedule uh, a rough schedule that that just give me a snapshot of what of what the day looks like like when mm. i'm going to work when i'm going to do family time and mm. so on and so forth and then I have to-do lists so that mm. I'm focused that day. I want to achieve this, 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 and this based on like any like long-term or short-term goal that I want to achieve. Let's say uh, I'm creating a website, right? So today mm. it will be like designing the layout. So I just mm. do that for the day. And then tomorrow comes, uh, start to look for assets like pictures mm. and videos and stuff. So break it down into smaller pieces. So schedule, to-do list, and goals. That's basically um, how I how I try to structure my day mm. amidst all mm. the chaos, lah. <laughs> do you do you start the day by writing a to do list? Uh, like you know, like like do you like say, oh, I'm going to do these four things a day, or do you already have a to do list planned out like weeks ahead? Uh, not weeks ahead. I don't do that. It's usually the night before or the early morning. Right, mm. so I I I do both. I have my analog system where I have like book and pen, mm. right? So write mm. write on a piece of paper, and I also mm. have the digital system where I put on my Google Calendar, I put on my Notes app or a to do app if you if you're into that thing, so so that I know um, the things that I want to do. So usually with my phone and with my computer, I just dump everything that I want to do, right? I just dump everything because uh, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. So mm. the moment I think of something, ah, I'm, I have to do that, I just put it down in, on my phone and it's there. It's there, right? It's recorded. So like my mind is at ease. Now what to do on any given day, um, either I would set it on my phone with, with like alarm system or whatever, mm. or I just write it down on a piece of paper. Mm. Or I have a whiteboard here. You can't see it, but I have a whiteboard here. I would sometimes write it down on my whiteboard as well. Basically, a lot of writing. 
um, goes into goes into like making sense of the day and have some form of structure because I, I at least for me it's not it's not good for me it's not efficient for me to just keep everything in my head I have mm-hmm. to put it down. Mm. Otherwise, otherwise I can't think properly. Otherwise, I can't I can't manage or organize my thoughts. So writing it down really really helps. Um, mm. Plus, it empties your like your your RAM for a bit mm. if you write things down, right? So you can mm. think of other things, especially when yeah. you have kids and you have family. So you have to make room for for other stuff in your mind. So yeah, um, that's that's my. Typical day. If that answers your question, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I agree with you about how important it is to write things. I mean, like, I love having. Uh, I mean, the invention of the smartphone is obviously life changing. But for it, for me, um, uh, not not so much for all the advanced stuff you can do. Just basically the note taking stuff, because sometimes in during the day I'm doing something halfway. Like, ah, I think of something. You know, like it could be an idea. It could be something I need to do, and then I can just quickly pull the phone out and just like write it down quickly. And exactly. as you say, you empty the RAM, right? Like you kind of, okay, I've, re- I've written it down already. I don't have to think about that now, you know, so I can focus on what, what the, the thing that I'm currently doing. And then you can go back later and review all the stuff that you thought about in the moment, right? And organize yeah. it later. Yeah. And sometimes the things that I wrote down, I end up deleting it, mm. right? Because, because I thought it was important in the moment. I mm. write it down and then mm. I revisit it not that important delete it so you so yeah. you so you save space in your mind mm. when you just dump things on a piece of paper right because mm. you need mm. you need space to think of like other things that are more urgent and important in in, the, in any given moment mm. so mm. It helps. I, I think it helps. that's a really good technique i think it's a really good technique to help uh keep people productive on the right things you know it's a very good productivity technique and, and, and so like so sometimes I find that people are like busy doing busy work, you know, like, you know, they're busy, but they're not actually producing a lot of like important yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think this helps people organize what's important, what's not. Let me kind of put this on the notepad first. And then later, you know, when I have time, I'll come back to it. And, and, and then I'll, I'll come up with like, a, if I, as you say, like you could look at it again and you could think actually it's not, it's not that important, you know, or, or maybe out of the 10 things, this is like, the, the, the least important thing I should do and therefore maybe I don't need to do it right so exactly exactly yeah. you can't eat the whole chicken in one bite so so break things down separate it and then you start to realize okay which part you actually want to eat which part you actually want to do and it helps it helps just mm. I mean if anything it calms your, it calms your nerves right mm. I mean, you're, 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 you're cool and chill throughout the day otherwise mm. you're just anxious and worry about mm. a lot of things mm. Mm. Uh, so the other thing I want to ask you is how, how do you get um, inspiration to write a book? How oh inspiration to write a book? Because mm, uh, I know you 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 know you're obviously an author. So where, where do you get that inspiration from? For my book, uh, the inspiration. I mean the the I I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, my good friend, his name is Hilal Ashraf, uh, a fellow writer as well, a fellow author as well. So the inspiration to write my book came from my uh, good friend Hilal Ashraf. He's a fellow writer as well. So at the time, I had no plan at all to write a book, um, not even an intention to write a book at the time. But he sort of gave me this push by by asking me, you know, you have all these all these followers, right? How many of them actually remember what you say? 
in your videos and in your talks? How many of them remember what you say? And then once you've said it and they forget it, then what? So, so that kind of like gave me a food for thought <laughs> for in a bit. And then he said that if you write a book, a book can last longer than a video. A book can last longer because uh, if you think of like a lot of like uh, prominent prominent people throughout history, we remember them based on their work uh, in writing, their books, right? Plato, Socrates, and we remember them by their books. So that gave me this push to force myself to write a book because I'm a speaker. Mm. I'm not a writer. So mm. it's super difficult for me to write as mm. opposed to speak. So... I just, I just like, like forced myself, forced myself to do it. And once I, I wrote my first book, it becomes easier after that, but then it's still difficult, still difficult, still difficult. I'm, I'm at six books now, still difficult, <laughs> still difficult, but it goes to show you that you can, you can train yourself to do things. It's difficult, but um, it's possible. So the inspiration came from uh, that friend. Um, mm. So credit, mm. credits, credits go to credit. Credit credits due to whoever ah whatever it may be <laughs> credits credits to my friend Kila mm. Ashraf mm. and and so on on the point that it's difficult right so um what what do you think is often misunderstood about being an author or writing a book you know what what's actually what's actually hard ah. uh, but looks easy and also the reverse that like, what do you think is actually easier but looks hard. Oh, interesting question. So what, mm. what is actually hard but looks easy? Okay, what's mm. actually hard? Well, writing. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, least, at least for me, at least for me, um, I, know, I know people who can write very easily. Um, they, can, they can just produce an article three pages long um, in a matter of uh, less than one hour. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Um, it's weird coming from an author who wrote six books already. But that's the truth, right? Mm. Not everybody have that talent, you could say. Mm. But just mm. because you don't have the talent doesn't mean that you can't uh, at, least, at least hone the skill, right? Mm. So, yeah, uh, writing, it, it's harder than it sounds, harder than it looks. Mm. But what's easy, what looks easy, but it's actually hard? Well, did I answer the first question right? Uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, so you said that um, writing is hard, right? Writing like is just, hard, even yeah, yeah, though it exactly. looks easy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I got, I got confused just... by the question just a bit. <laughs> writing some is people hard. Can create three pages even though it in looks easy. Hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, writing is hard, even though it looks easy. Hmm. But what is actually easy but looks hard? Hmm. That that requires some thinking. What looks easy, but it is actually. Uh, what's easy, but uh, what's actually easy, but it looks hard. It looks hard, but it's actually easy. Uh, ideas. Yeah, mm. ideas. Um, mm. A lot of people ask me, where do you get ideas from? Actually, it's not that hard. Mm. Ideas are, are literally everywhere. Like mm. I look at my son, boom, idea. Right? Mm. It's just a matter mm. of having that observational skill to observe mm. your surroundings and you get ideas. I get ideas all the time. I write it down. Not all mm. of them uh, came to fruition, but I get ideas. And mm. you ask people around, you get ideas, mm. right? You mm. go traveling, mm. you get ideas. You go outside, mm. just outside of your house, you get ideas. Mm. It's just mm. a matter of, of, of seeing things in a, in, in a certain way. 
for me at least um it's not that difficult to get ideas it's just difficult mm. to to expand that idea in the form of writing mm. Mm. Uh, in fact i think like in psychology i can't remember what the term is right but it's like um if you uh say if you're looking to buy a car and there's this this model of car like say this like a honda city that you wanted to buy then suddenly yeah. when you're driving you start noticing all the honda cities on the road like your yeah. mind pays attention to the things that you're thinking about which yeah. which was always been there but you just never noticed it before so so if you're actually on the on the point of ideas if you're you're always thinking i i need an idea so i can write something right like you know that then you will start noticing the ideas around you whereas before maybe you didn't you know it was always there but people just didn't see it because that's not yeah. what their mind was trying to look out for it's called uh, priming yeah priming is exactly. that right? okay priming yeah, yeah. priming yeah. right like like one day you really want to buy that shirt right and then mm. suddenly you see that shirt everywhere it's not like it's not like that shirt magically appear it's just it's always been there it's just you're not paying attention now you're paying attention so you notice it yeah Yeah, priming. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember like when I had uh, when when um our daughter was born uh and then we had to like you know pull her in a stroller and know when we go shopping and all that and I I remember going out there and I and walking around and I, I thought huh I I never I never realized how many people had children until <laughs> until today <laughs> you know we just strollers like people always had children in strollers in shopping malls but i never noticed it until i had my own daughter in a stroller in a shopping mall because i started paying attention to other people's strollers or oh, that looks like a good stroller or how they exactly. take care of their child you know like so yeah. yeah so yeah finally somebody said yeah stroller man um you didn't you don't you don't see strollers when you're single you don't see it but now <laughs> that when you have a I, i i'm i'm with you i'm with you on that when i when i just go to the mall i see strollers man Yeah. I just I just look I just look at look at their brand, look at the model, look at the tires and look at oh right. mm, this is good. Mm, I can fit that in my car. It's like yeah. <laughs> your mind your mind is like a spotlight. It it shines yeah. on things uh in a certain way in a certain moment. You, you only see that thing, you know. And mm. the thing that I saw when I was like single, I don't see that often right now mm. because I don't pay attention to it anymore. So mm. yeah, it's interesting <laughs> strollers. Mm. <laughs> also like baby carriers like Yeah. I even like look at their diapers to see what what brand is that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. So yeah. you pay attention to like weird <laughs> things when you are in certain situation, right? Yeah. Things they're always there, but your mind would never train to look for it. So it's the Ooh. same with like ideas for books, right? Like if you're thinking I need an idea to write something about, then then the idea will come, right? You know, I think your brain will start noticing things around you. Uh, that's then, why that's like serious writers, serious writers, if you if they want to write about let's say Africa. They mm. go to Africa. Mm. Right? Surround yourself with with the with the situation, prime your mind to write about that place and surround yourself with that place, you're going to mm. see things that you wouldn't see before. So mm. yeah, I get what you mean there. Mm. And and if um for and for people who are listening to this if they're still in university right now, right? Mm. Or they just recently graduated and 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 they think, "Hey, I, you know, I want to I want to write too." you know i want to be an author i want to write about something uh what advice would you give them uh and what advice should they ignore like so two questions uh, again yeah. yeah well 
I would say if you have an interest or an infatuation, like we say before, to writing, I think the best way to explore it is to start writing, right? And and I don't want people to think that, oh, if I want to do something, uh, I immediately have to like spend money to do that thing, right? I have mm. to like get a degree, spend my money to for a degree Agreed. to do that thing, or, or I have to apply for a job in that thing in order for me to do that thing. Actually, um, that is less true now than it was before because right now you can you can start publishing your writing for free mm. with zero cost, like start a blog, mm. right? Um, okay, so uh, so Ayman, are you working on you know publishing any books this year? This year, uh, wait, it's well, it's May, right? So. Uh, I I I have that intention uh, to publish a book this year. Uh, I would say that it's 50-50 for now. Uh, the reason for that is because I have a kindergarten that I run. So my, atten- my attention right now is sort of like split between the kindergarten and the business that I run from home. So that kind of take me away from writing uh, momentarily. So um, I still would like to uh, publish a book this year, though, although I'm not sure if it's feasible or not. So I would say 50-50. Yeah, that's the 50/50. answer. 50-50. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, before we did the, uh, before we were having this conversation, we did, um, we posted on our Instagram account to kind mm-hmm. of crowdsource questions to see whether there are some interesting ones. Uh, so one of them, um, so uh, we picked one. Someone actually asked about job interviews actually okay yeah so some so so questions to ask about you uh to you sorry uh so uh it's it's a bit generic not a lot of information like um i have a job interview next week any advice (laughs) 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 when was this when was this uh... like i think last last week so whoever asked this question i'm so (laughs) sorry but you're probably gonna hear this too late (laughs) <laughs> anyway okay for, for those of you who are uh not having your interview yet so i guess i guess my personal tip for interview is to to not pretend to be somebody else and what i mean by that is you know you know sometimes when your interviews because because you want that position so much or you want that scholarship so much whatever it may be Sometimes that could lead you to sacrifice some principles that you may hold in your life, right? So my advice would be don't. Don't do that. No job or no scholarship is worth you losing yourself, you know? Plus, you can't pretend for long. Your employer, your scholarship body is going to find out the real you, right? So it's best during the interview, just show who the real you is, professionally speaking, who the real you is. So, so don't, don't sugarcoat things. Don't try to be somebody else. Just be you because I'm an employer. I have like two staff uh, uh, that I employ. I don't want to like, I want to know them as them. I don't want to know a version of them that I may like. No, I want to know them. Because I'm hiring them. I'm not hiring like an imaginative version of them. So during the interview, just be yourself, 
right? Um, as cliche as it sounds, uh, just be yourself because um, just think of yourself in your employer's shoes. Do you want to hire somebody who's pretending? Yes or no? So, so that's something to think about. The second thing is to be confident. Whether or not you get the job or whether or not you get a scholarship is irrelevant. You should always be confident in yourself. Uh, you get rejected, go for another one. You get rejected, go for another one. Um, that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of mindset you have to already put inside yourself. That there's a possibility for rejection, and I need to prepare for it and just handle it uh, the best as I can and move forward, move on. So those two things I would like leave to people who are about to go to interview. Number one, be yourself. Number two, be confident. Yes, be confident, right? And and what you said about rejection is also very true. Like, um, you know, it, you might get rejected uh, and that's very normal, but you, you should take it as a learning opportunity just to help you build confidence. Yeah. It's also a bit of practice, right? Like, I mean, what's, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is you've had some practice. You didn't get the job, but you know, at least you've experienced an interview. So you keep getting better at the next one. And every time you get a bit better, then you're more confident. And I think sometimes, right, that um, when people are not very well practiced for an interview, when they actually go to one, because they're a bit nervous. So in fact, then, then their true self doesn't come out. You know, mm. they, they sometimes don't get to actually say what they want to say because they're so nervous. And maybe yeah. helping, you know, like getting over that might be more important, you know, than, than anything else. So that's where the confidence thing comes in, right? Because the more, yeah. the less nervous you are, the more people can say, oh, that's really you. And then you're confident and then employers really like that, I think. Yeah. And I, and I advocate for people to, if you want to build confidence, build it from the inside. Don't build it from the outside. What I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they're only confident when they get something from outside. Like they get a, a, a good paycheck. Boom, confidence. They mm. get a good mark in an exam. Boom, mm. confidence. They get good looks, good mm. then confidence. But mm. what happens when those things disappear? Your mm. confidence disappear with them. And those things that are from outside, they are temporary. So you can't rely on them too much for your own confidence. So what I say to young people is that you have to build it from the inside. You have to know what do you stand for? your life mm. principles, your values, right? The thing that I mentioned before, those mm. things are more permanent. They're more stable over time mm. than something as, as superficial as like money or status or like good looks, right? Because they, those things can disappear. And if you rely your confidence on those things, then your confidence is not stable as well. So if you have that inner confidence, then you can be put in any situation, still nervous, still stressful, but you'll be much able to carry yourself better, you know, because you have that inner confidence, that inner rock that, that, that will keep you grounded. Cool. So we're going to move to like quick fire questions now. Okay. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Yeah, Let's so do this. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, first right. question. What scene from a movie or TV show was super memorable to you and left you a lasting life lesson? Oh, well, there's a lot because I'm, I, I like movies ever since I was little. Mm. So I have to pick one. Eh? Mm. Mm. The, the lasting impact. Mm. Something that was yeah, impactful, right? Like, you, you know, you left a mark on you. 
Well, um, I, I, generally speaking, I like Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams. I, I like his comedy shows. I like his movies. So much of my favorite movies are, are from him. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite movies from him is Patch Adams, where he played a doctor based on a real story, a doctor who is doing things not um, according to what's the status quo. So he challenges the status quo, seeing that seeing that there's something uh, wrong about the status quo. So he challenged them. Anyway, there's this one scene in the movie where, um, well, I, I have to give a, a bit of a background. So he opened his own clinic. Mm. Um, to be fair, it's illegal, right? Mm. To be fair, it's illegal. But he wanted to open his own clinic so that the people who are, who don't have insurance can get treatment, right? So it's like a free clinic, like in a way. Mm, mm. So he opened that free clinic, and he invite like his girlfriend, also a medical student, uh, to serve in the clinic, like to help around, right? Mm. So one day, one patient came, and uh, long story short, that patient has has mental health issues, um, like psychosis or something, and he ended up um, harming the girlfriend, killing the girlfriend. So, so she died and there's this one scene where he went to her funeral after everybody left and prior to that, he wanted to recite to her this poem from the poet Pablo Neruda, that's his name. Mm. He, could, he didn't manage to finish the poem because he was interrupted the first time he tried to do it. So he kept the poem until the right time comes. But then his girlfriend passed away. Mm. So he, he didn't manage to finish the poem. Mm. But he walked slowly to her casket and basically uh, finished the poem. Mm. And it was a very touching moment in the movie where he finished the poem that, that he wanted to recite to his girlfriend. And yeah, not having to do that while she's still alive uh, it hits me lah, um, mm. saying that you have to, you have to, you have to uh, grab the opportunity uh, while it's still there, uh, mm. before it's too late. But that's basically the the thing that that sticks with me from that scene. Mm. Mm. I like that, right? Yeah, yeah. like that. Like, you know, treasure people that's still around. You know, true. you never know, true. right? So true. Um, okay, next question: Is there a non-fiction book that you've read? that you believe everyone should read? Again, that's a lot of, uh, because uh, I basically <laughs> only read nonfiction. I rarely mm. read fiction, but uh, okay. you. I imagine you pick. must really love reading. <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I don't love it, but, but I enjoy the, the, the learning, the learning mm. process. Mm. Uh, okay. One book, one book, one book. Um, well, this is a, a recent book that I finished last month. Uh, Start with Why by Simon Sinek. I think mm. I think a lot of people. I think I think all people should read that book. It's a good book mm. to illustrate the importance of uh, having knowing uh, your why clearly mm. and how does mm. it affect you in your life. So, Start with Why by Simon Sinek. Mm. S I N E K Sinek. Sounds good. Next question: Who is the, this is a strange question. It might sound like a strange question. Okay. Who is the third most admired role model you have and why? 
and I, and I, and I explain why I say the third most admired role model, because typically, uh, number one and two can be quite obvious. It could be like someone in your family. Number two could be someone like really famous, like, you know, some people say, oh, Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. But number three is a bit less obvious. So, um, I have to think about that. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I could, if I phrase the question a different way, basically like someone that's a bit less obvious, right? That you see as a role model and why? Well, um, I had this one teacher when I was in college. Mm. Um, it's less obvious because he's like a sideline character. Mm. He's not like my main teacher. He didn't, he didn't like teach me in my class. No, but he's a teacher, mm. right? Mm. Uh, he's a psychologist, uh, a clinical psychologist, um, and he helped me a lot, like understanding life and understanding myself. So I would I would say that he's the third most um, admired person in my life. Uh, his name is Dr. Adnan Omar. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say I would say that's that's quite quite uh, not obvious. I would say mm. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, next question. What object have you purchased in the last 12 months uh, that cost less than a thousand ringgit, uh, but you believe has had tremendous positive impact on your life? That's, that's a lot, man, because I, I online <laughs> shop. Oh, most you buy of a lot of things. things. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have two kids, right? So lots of things. Okay, less than 1,000 ringgit, but had, actually has more value um, the last 12 months. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Last 12 months. Okay, um, I bought a pool a for pool. my son. Yeah, a pool. Hmm. Um, it's less than 100 ringgit, not even 1,000. Oh, nice. Less than 100 ringgit. Uh, hmm. It was a sale. Um, the actual hmm. price is 130 or something. Hmm. Um, I, thought, uh, I thought it's like, like a very, you know, um, low quality pool, but it ended up to be a very, very like good, solid, like um, above ground pool. And mm. my son um, had a blast with it. Um, still loves it to this day. And um, even his his uh, what do you call it cousins are are now enjoying it as well. So yeah, that that that, that has definitely more value than than what I paid for. Mm. Nice. Uh, next question: What piece of career advice? Um, so this is a strange question because you also give career advice. But what piece of career advice have you heard from? Uh, a mentor or someone else that you respect? What's like the best piece of advice you've ever heard? The best piece of advice? Mm. From a mentor or uh, someone that you respect? Best piece of career advice? Well, I guess, I guess one of the best ones that I got when I was in university was, it came from, from a very un, unlikely place. It was it was a career workshop. Hmm. It was a career workshop, but then this man uh, was doing his presentation, and he simply said, um, "The career that you end up doing uh, can be unrelated to your degree." So that that sort of gave me this 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 shock. Like, wait, you're telling me this? Like out of all people that I expect, <laughs> I won't expect it from you. Like this, you, this university fellow, uh, this right. university admin to say that my degree now may not be what I do for a living. But that like opened up so many 
doors for me because I'm not limited by my degree, mm. right? I'm not limited mm. by my degree, and that's that's a relief. Mm. So it, uh, yeah, so that's one that's one like one of the best career advice that I got. Yeah, mm. so glad that probably I, that I probably, probably light lit up the spark for you to try this thing, right? This something new. Maybe it's a puzzle, right? It's a puzzle. Every every piece counts. So maybe that's one of the pieces. Mm. Uh, if you could make a video go viral uh, and the video carried a message that's important to you, what would that message be? Life is not a race, people. Calm down. So I, I would say that would be my, my, one, of the, one of the things that I would really love to highlight to people. It's not a race. People are, are stressed out of their minds and, and I feel sorry for them because it's not a good way to live life. I'm not, I'm not saying like chill, be like a surfer dude, like relax dude. And I'm, not, I'm not saying go do that. That's another extreme. I'm just saying that don't see life as something that you have to rush through like a race, right? Mm. Life is a journey. Enjoy. Enjoy the journey. Learn lessons along the way and mm. you will grow from all the lessons that you learn. So, mm. that will be one video that I would love to go viral. Mm. Mm. It's more important to not get burned out, right? I think that's like... The exactly. One. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because think of it this way. You want to be beneficial for others and you can't be beneficial if you're burned out. Mm. Right, you can't contribute your highest potential if you're burned out. So think of it that way. Mm. Um, so last question. Uh, and the question is, what does the word success mean to you? The word success mean to me? Mm. Uh, for me, it's a spiritual answer. So for mm. me, uh, success means when, when Allah is happy with me, when God is happy with me. For mm. me, that's success. So that, that's, that's what I hold in my heart and that's what I say to people whenever they ask me like what success means to you. So that's my answer. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. It was, uh, no it was a real pleasure. And um, uh, like I said, before we started the interview, obviously, Hello Mentor and Wolf, uh, one of our goals is to help you know, a lot of our youth you know, have a good career, build a good career and all that. And I think... Uh, this conversation is very, very aligned to that. So I, I really enjoyed it. And so not only did people hear stories about your career, but also we can hear a lot of the advice that you would tell other people. And I hope that it helps the people who are listening. My so, pleasure. I, I hope so too. Yeah, thanks again. And maybe we'll do this again one day. Sure, sure. I look forward to it. Thank you for the opportunity, right. Derek. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ayman. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're trying to have a great career or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, we have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by WAP. 
the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, do also check us out at wobjobs.com. That's W-O-B-B jobs.com. Thank you again and I look forward to share the next episode with you soon.